All right, everybody. Welcome to Talk is Cheap, the Fight Against Mediocrity podcast. I'm so excited for today's guest, Brody Fawcett. Uh, background about Brody, he is ranked among the top 1% of the top 1% income earners under the age of 30. He has built from the ground up a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio that generates six plus figures of passive income each year. Brody has completed a 174 mile ultra marathon, ranked one of the top three hardest foot races in the world. He has a vast background in sales and has generated tens of millions of dollars in one of the most difficult forms of sales door to door. Um, Brody became financially free at the young age of 25 and later started realestateinvestingschool.com, where he has helped hundreds of people begin building passive income through investing in real estate. Brody is obsessed with designing and building his dream life and empowering others to max out their full potential and do the same. His greatest accomplishment of all of these things is being a husband to a beautiful wife and a dad to two beautiful little girls. Welcome everybody, Brody Fawcett. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. So excited to have you here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. Um, just starting off, I'd love to hear um, your journey from, I mean, you're pretty young. How old are you? I am 29. 29. So I'd love, I'm sure the listeners would love to hear this as well. Tell us about, you know, how you got started in sales. Why, why is that the path that you chose and how it transitioned into real estate? Yeah, I love it, man. Um, I love, I think like it, it honestly, it goes back to like a young age. I always was kind of entrepreneur minded and, and, uh, had a desire to like work hard today for like an easier tomorrow. And I think back to like, my mom was a great example of this. Like she was a, she was a hustler. Like she, she has a hair salon, um, to this day, but she like cut hair out of our house. And so growing up, like she always instilled in me, like these, these sales skills. Like I, I, one of the first memories I have is, uh, I was in boy scouts and you know how you have to, you have to go and sell a certain amount of, of things in order to win something. It was like these, these fun cards or whatever they were. And, uh, I was trying to earn this pocket knife and I, I remember I needed to sell 12 of these cards to earn this pocket knife. And I don't even know how old I was at the time. Um, super young. I mean, I don't know how old you are boy scouts, if it's eight or 12 or whatever it is, but, um, I remember, uh, my, my den leader or whatever you call them. Um, I was in there collecting the cards from her to go and sell. My mom was with me and I remember her saying something like, yeah, no one sold me one yet or something. And I, and that was like a cue for me, like, Oh, I need to sell her this, but I was so scared. And so I remember getting back into the car with my mom and, um, she was like, you should go and ask her if she wants to buy one. I remember being so scared because I'm like, well, what if she doesn't? And anyhow, just that awkward feeling. And so long story short, I went back and asked her and she bought one from me and I ended up selling enough to get the pocket knife. And so, um, that's like the first memory, like of sales I actually have. And just that, that situation of like, oh man, I'm uncomfortable right now and, uh, doing it anyways. And that, I think that's like the definition of getting started in sales. But um, from there, like I remember um, growing up, my grandpa had had a ranch and I'd go help him in the summer. And I wasn't old enough to have like an actual job, but he'd pay me 12 bucks an hour and I was paid hourly based on how many hours I put in and he wouldn't pay me for lunch. And so it was like, in my mind, and I had as, I had as many hours as I wanted to work, he'd pay me for. And so like at this early age, like I started to learn, okay, if I put in 12 hours a day, 
that doesn't include lunch. I need to wake up early and get after it early to get all my hours in and I can work a little bit later to get them all in. Well, I started doing the math, you know, like 12 times 12, it's $144 a day. If I work seven or, or six days a week, um, this is how much it would equal to. And so like, just this at an early age, this desire to like hustle hard and sacrifice a, a really hard today for an easier tomorrow and to set myself up. Um, was just instilled at this this young age. And so honestly, from there, um, I've always been open to opportunities. And I've always had this mindset of like, uh, it's better to be open and, and evaluate like every opportunity, you might say no to most of them. But at least like you're open to new opportunities. I think sales was the exact same way. Um, I got into door to door sales, like, I think probably my first or second year in college, and just heard about Hey, this is an opportunity where you can go get ahead in life and work really hard for like a summertime. And then you don't have to work the rest of the year and you can kind of set yourself up. And then obviously that's transitioned into to real estate investing because it's the exact same thing, right? I can buy a property and uh, I can work really hard and save my money. And then it pays me for the rest of my life. Yeah. And then I love what you said about when you're working for your grandpa and you said, you know, I had to wake up earlier to get my hours in. I'm curious, at what point did you realize like, man, I need to stop trading time for money? Because that's one of the benef huge benefits of sales is you don't have to trade your time for money. The more value you create, the more you get paid. Was there like a switch in your mind ever with that? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I just got back from Hawaii yesterday or two days ago, and I was out there for um, it was like this real estate mastermind event. And one of the speakers, one of the things that he talked about, I think it relates perfectly to this because he talked about like earlier on in your career, there's like these different stages, right? And one of the stages is like the DIYer where like you do everything yourself and you, you fix it all yourself. And if there's a problem with your property, someone calls you, you're the one that goes out there with, with the wrench and the yeah. hammer or whatever. And like, I, I, distinctly remember that phase right and then he talks about the next phase is like the project manager phase where like you know you're still getting the calls but you're not actually going out and doing it right you're calling somebody else to do it and each of these levels pay differently and then he talks about like the end stage which is like the visionary stage right where like you have the vision for the whole thing but like you you have a project manager that's hired and he's the one that takes the calls and then you know he's sending somebody else out there and like obviously like the visionary, that's your $10,000 an hour tasks, right? And even as a project manager, you might make, you know, $100 an hour. And as the DIYer, you might make 50 bucks an hour, still great. But um, ultimately, you're always trying to level up to the to those bigger dollar per hour tasks, I guess. And so um, at a young age, like for me, working for my grandpa or whatever, that that's all I knew how to do was like, put in more hours. And that's what I felt like I could control, right? Like, so it's the first time I had this glimpse of like, oh, wait, I'm in control of how many hours I work. And so I felt like a little bit of control over how much money I made. And then I think, yeah, just like slowly as opportunities come up, I worked at a, a car wash all through high school. Um, I was probably there for probably about five, five years total. And uh, I could make tips. And so for me, like that was something I felt like I was in control of because someone would come, I actually started out pumping gas. I was like a gas attendant. And then later, you know, moved over to the car wash side of things. And so like, I had it figured out to where if somebody came up, whether like, they were willing to pay me for washing their windows or not, like automatically as I was pumping their gas, I'd start washing the windows. And it was like, they they almost felt like they needed to give me a tip. And so 
now I wasn't limited by my hourly pay, but I could go above and beyond and make more. And so I think just from there, you start thinking and it starts transitioning. And like, I distinctly remember my first um, rental property that I bought. It didn't hit me to be 100% honest until after I was living there for a couple months. And I was actually collecting rent because I, I rented, I lived in one of the bedrooms, I rented the other ones out to my buddies. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it was like, holy smokes, they're paying me money each month. I'm not doing anything. And I'm actually making money for doing nothing. And so I think from there, like the the light switch kind of flipped on where I was like, okay, what if I was able to do this again and again and again, and the wheel started turning. And so yeah, I feel like it all just kind of starts to come together as you you level up and you also your mindset changes to, hey, I'm capable of this now, or I'm capable of more. And that's when you really open up to things. Yeah, and I love that just moving, not being afraid to take the next step, like one step leads into the next and you're being very, Brody's being very humble. He was at the Maui mastermind with Beardy Brandon for who's like the host of bigger pockets. So it was a pretty big deal. You have to be at a certain level to be able to go. What were your biggest takeaways while you were there? Oh man. Um, it was cool just because so, so they cap it to 30 people and all these people have real estate investing businesses. And so I think overall, like the biggest takeaway was just like going there, being in an environment with all these like-minded people that are super successful in the real estate niche and like networking with them, learning from them. And believe it or not, the whole thing was really based around how do you go and uh, I guess like systematize and scale your existing business. So a lot of things around that and a lot of things like a lot, lot along the lines of like I was saying, when the visionary role, right? How do you get yourself out of a lot of the tasks and how do you, you know, systematize everything in your business? And um, the two people that hosted it, Beardy Brandon, Brandon Turner, and uh, Tarl Yarber, Tarl, uh, he flips over a uh, hundred houses per year. And I'm not a big like house flipper, right? Cause I'm more into the, I mean, I, I do it a little bit, but I'm more into the passive income stuff. But what he's done is he's taken that, which you feel like flipping a house, you have to be so involved in it. And how do you know if, you should purchase the house. How do you know how much to spend on it? How do you know? Anyhow, he's developed this business to where everything's systematized, where he only works, you know, a few hours a week or a month wow. because he doesn't go to the properties in person. And so really cool, just the way they've set up all these systems. But that's probably like my biggest takeaway from the event. And I'm curious if you had to put like, say there's a scale and you had to put going to these events and you had to weigh the relationships and the knowledge, which would weigh higher, like the connections and relationships or the knowledge? Dude, that's a great question. Um, great question. I, I think um, it probably depends on the event, but I would honestly probably weight the, the relationships a lot higher. Yeah, and that might have been like, not a very good question because I was seeking that answer kind of, I mean, I wanted to hear your opinion, but I a hundred percent feel the same. I used to think that events were the knowledge. And so I wouldn't go, I just buy like the video after the fact and watch it on my own. But then as I started going to events, I'm like the relationships, because you're around people who made the same sacrifice of payment and time to be somewhere to learn. And I think that's more valuable than, than anything you would have taken away from the event. Um, I'm also in a group where like they meet quarterly and you have an option to just do it all online and you're, you're live. Right. And there's breakout sessions and 
you know, via zoom, you're formed in this group when you can still kind of strategize and mastermind with other people, but like going in person and having done it, you know, online where I haven't been able to make it in person night and day difference, like the amount of value and focus and everything for being in person and actually meeting people is huge. So yeah, for anyone listening, like the, the thousand or $2,000 for a room and flight pay for themselves with the relationships that you can make for sure. Um, I'm curious. I have a lot of questions that I want to hear your answers to. We're not going to have time to get to all of them, but what do you wish more people knew about life and success? That's deep, man. I wasn't prepared for, for going this deep. Sorry. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Um, I think a couple of things like with, without, you know, obviously spend a ton of time thinking about it. I think number one, like I wish people understood what they're capable of. I think so many times we limit ourselves uh, to our full potential because we, we, we only go out and achieve what we think is possible. Right. And the problem for most people is their level of thinking is very, very, very low compared to what they're capable of actually doing. And so in their mind, like they see themselves as, you know, this type of person or this type of fitness level or this type of discipline, or maybe they're, they feel like they're worth, you know, this many dollars per hour. And because that's what they think, that's what they go out and get. Right. And so I think that's the first thing is I wish people could see their full potential, even for myself. Right. I don't even see it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't even see it. I think as we get glimpses of it, we're like, oh, I'm capable of that. And so we push a little bit harder and then we go and achieve that, you know? And then it's like, wait, what if I could do a little bit more and you see that and then you go and achieve that. And so, so I think that's huge um, alone in, in going out and, and achieving things and having success. And then I would just say like, I think discipline's huge. I think too many times, and it probably goes hand in hand with what we feel like we're capable of achieving. But uh, I mean, discipline goes into anything, right? Like just staying disciplined. And I read a quote this morning. I love like really 2% of what we do every day is like the, on the needle mover stuff, right? 2% of all of our actions that we take actually like move the needle in our life, whether that's, you know, getting healthier or getting better or strengthening our relationships or making more money or progressing in business or whatever, like 2%. And so the idea was like, what if you could take that 2% and just double it to 4%? That's it, you know, like the tap, be a little bit more focused, a little bit more disciplined and go out and double your production. Yeah. And I think you, everything that you just said is gold, like go back and listen to that again. And I think you mentioned it at the, at the beginning where you said it was just progressive, like do one thing and then believe, wow, I can do the next thing and the next thing. I think that's how it is. Unfortunately, I wish we could just go from I'm here to clear over there and in, in the belief systems. But I, I heard a quote once that I really like, it doesn't cost any more money or time to think big, like it's free. Mm -hmm. So just you might you may as well think bigger. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think in, in like going back to that, I think that, you know, our belief determines which actions that we actually take, and then our actions determine our results. And it's like this, this constant cycle. And so you want to change the results that you're getting it starts with your belief because if you believe different you're going to act different yeah i love that um and uh 
Here's a, so when you talked about how you, you were in door-to-door sales and there's sales and then there's door-to-door sales, like a whole nother animal. I would say the hardest type of sales there is, is door-to-door sales. Um, what do you think anyone can be successful in sales? And if not, what do you think it takes to be successful in sales? Um, yeah, I definitely think anyone can be successful in sales for sure. Absolutely. Um, now, do I think some people are naturally more gifted and it comes a little bit easier right off the bat? For sure, 100%. But that doesn't limit anybody from reaching that same level of success. And something we always say is like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? The thing with sales is it's a process and it's it's like learning a skill. And once you learn the skill, like you can you can put it into practice and you can be successful. You know, it's almost think of it like as a math equation, A plus B equals C, like every single time, A plus B equals C, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you just plug that in, and you plug in, you know, like the work ethic in with, with the having a good mindset and a good attitude, and actually like studying all these things, like, you're gonna equal C, which is success. So yes, I believe everybody can can implement it. I love that. That's so awesome. Um, What what do you think made you so successful? I really, I mean, it's very impressive all that you've done, but you obviously killed it in the door-to-door space. What, what were the things that helped you? You know, if you could go back and say, oh, it was these two things that helped me the most, what, what were they? I would say number one would be, you know, thinking, thinking long-term. Um, one of the things like I noticed when I got into the business was so many people, you know, they planned on, this is my last year. And then they do it again. This is my last year. And they do it again, you know, and like 10 years later, they're still doing it with thinking that every year is going to be their last year. So like almost looking at like, Hey, where do I want to be five years from now? And what's going to get me there now? Let me reverse engineer that. And now I'm working towards that, right? Cause you make different decisions. If you view your outcome a different way. And so like getting into it, and this will probably be the other thing is like, I looked at like, who was the most successful? And what were they doing? And how do I go and do that? I want to go and do that. And like, so for me, like, okay, the most successful people, they're managers, right? Okay, how do you be a manager? Well, you be a manager by one selling 100 accounts your first summer, and then also you need to recruit people. And so I was like, okay, how do I go sell 100 accounts my first summer? And how do I recruit people? Well, if you recruit a few people this year, your first year, it's going to be a lot easier to recruit people next year. Okay, so that's what I have to do this year. And if you have preseason accounts, it just basically means, you know, you've sold some accounts before the actual summer season starts, right? You're going to be that much closer and all those count towards your 100 accounts. So it was really just a matter of like reverse engineering it, learning, hey, what are these guys doing? They're successful. Now I want to go and do that. Like that's the position I want to be in. Yeah. And that takes me, you know, that's exactly what you, you preach. You know, you always say, dream it, write it, build it, live it, which I love. And, you know, you said you came up with that. And I think that's genius. If there, I think I told you this once in a, on Instagram, like you should write a book and that should be the title. It'd be be a really good book, but dream it, write it, build it, live it. And what you just said is essentially that, but tell us more about what that means and how you apply it in your life. Yeah, dude. Um, it's interesting because like you just barely asked me about that before we started. And um I kind of 
it's kind of like just kind of come together with how I live my life now, looking back and like what's helped me build that. And I think like it started out, like I've always been a big dreamer, right? I've always loved this concept. And maybe it's like the dopamine hit that comes from it. I don't know, but like just dreaming like of your dream life, what does it look like? Right. And like everything I have today um, that I'm proud of, like I dreamt about it, right. I obsessed over it. It was like, Oh, I want this, I want to live this type of a lifestyle. And so I, I used to have this phrase of like, it's not, not my phrase, but like, it's actually a common phrase, um, which is like dream big, work hard. Right. And then I started realizing like, okay, dreaming big and working hard, like that doesn't guarantee you anything in life. Right. And so then I really, I started liking the phrase like dream big, live big. Right. Cause now you can dream really big and then live a big life. Um, you're not just dreaming, but you're actually doing something and living your dreams. Right. And then it was like, well, there's a lot more in between. And so for me, like writing down my goals has been huge. Um, so big, like anything that I dream about and I want, like I get really intentional and in writing, writing it down. And for me, it's like the first step of taking something that's in your head and in your mind and like you're dreaming about and you really want to go and achieve. And it's the first step in getting it to reality. You know, you put it on paper. And so for me, like I'm, I'm really disciplined at writing my goals down every single day and it's super repetitive. But what I do is I write my top 10 goals that I want to accomplish within the next 12 months. And I write them every single morning and I try not to look back at what I wrote the day before. And so what happens is it just starts to get ingrained in my mind to the point where if somebody were to wake me up, you know, in the middle of middle of night and say, Hey, what are the top 10 goals you want to accomplish the next 12 months? I can go, boom, 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 boom. And so what happens is you start to recognize different opportunities that come up because of that. And you just get really, really intentional about not just like dreaming dreams for dreaming's sake, right? You get intentional about going out and accomplishing them. And then I think building it is like the work phase, you know, and then ultimately like living, living your dream life. And so that's kind of why I love those four things. And they've really, really helped me in my life. Yeah. And for those of you that don't follow Brody on Instagram, go follow him. It's very fun to watch him and what he's building. Um, you know, he, he, he posts a, a rendering of the office they want to build in their backyard. And then three months later, it's like, boom, here it is. Like we're in our <laughs> office. And then they post a, a rendering of their swimming pool. And then six months later, it's like, oh, this is our swimming pool that we, that we built in our head first. And then we just built it here. And that's, that's unique. That's hard to find because, you know, talk is cheap. So many people can say, I want to do this, but you actually go do it. And a couple of things I want to point out of what you said is like success is simple. It leaves clues and success typically isn't sexy. Like writing your goals down every day. It's not sexy. It's just like the discipline of doing it every day and actually wanting it and not to discredit anything Brody's done but success leaves clues, do what he has done. And, um, you can accomplish the same things. Um, and then I was going to ask, actually, I don't know what I was going to ask next, but I really, really like that. And I, I really, um, look up to you for, for that attribute and that phrase of dream it, write it, build it, live it. Um, we're kind of wrapping up on time. Um, I have one more question, but before I ask it, how can people connect with you and tell them about your um, real estate investing school? Yeah, no, man, I uh, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks a ton. This has been fun. Um, honestly, probably Instagram, Instagram, a first and last name, Brody Fawcett. 
Um, it's probably the best way. But uh, yeah, same thing with the school as well. We actually have kind of made a big pivot. And so we're, we're launching like the, the new school um, here next month. So cool. along with that, and the name of that's just real estate investing school, you can go to realestateinvestingschool.com. If you want more info um, or on Instagram as well, there's, there's uh, some links and stuff, but yeah, the official launch of it, which is really cool. I'm actually excited about it. We've kind of gone from more of like a, a passive education role to like, a lot more one-on-one -on -one coaching and like holding people's hands through the process and to the point where we pretty much just guarantee that you we're going to help you get into a cash flowing property um and just really holding your hand through the process of it so that's why i'm passionate about that side of it but but yeah yeah definitely reach out dm instagram why the shift in passive to more one-on-one -on -one? yeah great question so i've had a course for a while um which it's it's been great it's done extremely well um, a ton of awesome results from it. Basically where the course came from was I'd been investing in real estate for a while. We've kind of documented some of the process because obviously passionate about building passive income and, and real estate being like the number one path to do that was starting out with not a lot of money. And so that's what we did. So we got a lot of questions about it to the point where I'm like, dude, I feel like I need to like answer everyone's questions without, you know, doing a bunch of one-on-one -on -one coaching like that, you know, yeah. there's just not enough time to get all out there. So put together the course, um, where it's like 16 hours over a hundred videos of like really, really in-depth, Hey, this is how to do it. Like step by step by step. Um, the goal is like, show you how to go make passive six figures of income through real estate. And so that's been doing great. That's been doing awesome. But like, just like me, just like maybe you, I don't know, but most people out there, like knowledge is not power, right? The application of knowledge is what's power. And so that's where a lot of us being like natural men, like we, we messed up, right? Like we have all this good information, you take, take working out or like getting fit or losing weight as an example, we all know how to do it, right? You, you consume less calories than you, you burn yeah. more calories than you consume, whatever, but like we still struggle doing it, but all of a sudden you hire a coach and they're holding you accountable and they're walking you through the process and making sure that they're there with you every step of the way, like all of a sudden now you get results. And so it's the same thing with real estate. It's the same thing with coaching and just really having like a group in the support system and somebody there to make sure you're being held accountable. Like that's what helps get results, helps you apply the knowledge. Yeah. I love that. I really like that. Um, I'm not sure if you read Alex Hormozzi's book, hundred million dollar offers, but, uh, what you just said, like guaranteeing that they'll see results is, is the name. Yeah. Of the name. Yeah. All about over delivering, right. And like making an offer that's absolutely irrefusable. And, uh, yeah. So I love that book for that exact reason. Yeah, that's sweet. So two more questions. Um, so for those who are investing in real estate right now or wanting to invest in real estate with what you now know, what would, what would be your advice to someone getting started in real estate? Say they have some money saved up from sales or a business or whatever, what would be the first step for them? Cool. So I actually have, I call it the, the passive six figure um, game plan. And so like, I have a bunch of steps like laid out. It's really like six six main steps but the first one which is maybe it's cliche because i hear it talked about a lot um, but it's this concept called house hacking the biggest mistake that people make when getting into real estate is they buy a house first that's based on emotion right meaning they want to live there 
it's yeah. nice it's cute it looks good whatever and then second logic where really when you're getting into it it should be the other way around you should make the decision based on logic hey this is going to be a good investment so i'm willing to live here for a little bit um and then second emotion because you can do that you can get into what's called house hacking where you can live in the home and you're buying it because it's going to be a good investment you're taking advantage of it being an owner-occupied loan so you yeah. put a very very low amount down right like a few thousand bucks even but you can get into a duplex, um, triplex, a fourplex. You can do what I did in my first house where I lived in one of the bedrooms and rented out all of the other rooms and made a thousand bucks a month, plus paid for my mortgage, plus lived there for free, right? And then I got married, my wife and I, we moved into a duplex where we rented out the other unit. And so, so many options that way, but that's the easiest way to get into it because you already need a house to live in, right? And so you might as well yeah. make it an investment. And I would say, I don't, you'd probably agree, like it's not as scary as you'd think, just buying it in the duplex or the triplex or the, the townhome to later rent out. It's not as scary as we build it up to be in our minds. And uh, yeah, I just go for it, right? 100%. Yeah, it's funny because like thinking back to especially my first, you know, property or doing that, like, dude, I was scared because if all my friends left, like I could not afford the mortgage. I was working yeah. at Gold's Gym part-time, you know, like, trust me, that doesn't pay good money. Like it would have, and so there was a lot of fear involved, but like, yeah, you, you just absolutely like getting over that fear. And then eventually you just get comfortable with it and, and you get confident and just no, no looking back from there. Yeah. And I think even if it wouldn't have worked out, you would have learned lessons that would have been it invaluable moving forward so either way just go for it absolutely and then my last question my favorite question i'm very biased though for you what does the fight against mediocrity mean yeah dude i a great question i think that you know like i almost view that as a responsibility for all of us and uh, i think that what's so cool about like this life and living on earth right it's like God didn't put us here to be average, right? He didn't yeah. say like, hey, come down to this this earth and like go be like everybody else and go <laughs> be mediocre, right? Like go go live an average life, you know? Like no, it was hey, go maximize your potential. This is what you're capable of. Like go out and be be that person that you that's your best version of yourself, you know? And so that's the whole objective that we're here you know, and so average just means that you, you're like everybody else, you know, you're mediocre, you're like everybody else. And so for me, like, I, I hear that. And I almost take that as a responsibility to like, go live up to my God given potential. And same with every single person, you know, and so it might be different for you than it is for me, it's different for me than it is for somebody else. And like, that's, that doesn't even matter, right? The point is, is like, how do we go out and maximize our potential and then make that our responsibility to go and do that? Plus they were happier that way, right? Like growth yeah. is like happiness. Like you're fulfilled when you're growing and when you're developing. And so I know that's a long answer to your question, but like I'm the happiest when I'm getting better at life, when I'm being a better person and I always make mistakes, right? You fall down, but like I'm happy when I get back up and keep striving. Yeah, and I think it's... I. I've heard, a, I've asked everyone their definitions. Yours has, was one of my favorite. I really, really like that. Probably because 
that's one of the biggest beliefs I have too. Like we weren't put here to be average or to, to strive for little goals. Like we were meant here to do big things. Um, and you said you're happiest when you're striving for that. I think the irony or the paradox is that it's painful to grow, but we're happiest when we grow. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people say, well, it's painful to grow. So I'm just going to stay the way I am, but then it's way more painful just staying where you're at in the long run. So yes, it is. Awesome. Man. Totally agree. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Everyone needs to go follow Brody. And uh, if you're wanting to learn more about real estate, follow him, look into his course. Thank you so much, Brody, for taking the time today to, to be on the show. You're the man. Thanks, brother. Have a good day. You too.